Hey mamas, thanks so much for joining us. We're excited to have you as part of the Momversation. My name is Dana and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Kayla, Shay, Christine, and Sam. On today's episode, we will be covering the very hot topic of pediatric nursing and medicine. We know you guys all have questions about that, so we can't wait to jump in and hear your take on things. Today's episode will feature experts, Sarah Superan. We are so glad that you could join us because we know you wouldn't want to miss this mom's night in. We're going to start everybody to take a little bit of time to kind of uh, get into the swing of things here, but we kind of, I guess there's so many things about, you know, when you take your kids to the doctor and all the, I think mainly, especially when you first become a parent, there's so many things that we stress and worry about. Even if you always say, I'm not going to be that mom, you know? Right. And we all end up being that mom. For sure. (laughs) That part's irrelevant. Um, So... You know, fun things. Like last night, I had to make this decision. Fun enough, I ended up in the ER at 11 o'clock last night. Oh, my God. No no major worries. Woke up in the middle of the night. My kid took his G-tube out, and we couldn't get him back in. Oh, my God. So we ended up driving over to the hospital, and, you know, three people holding him down. Oh, my God. that bad boy in. Oh, God. Yeah. And And I think you also bring a unique perspective, you know, not only are you in the nursing and medicine field, but you also kind of have this very, as a mother, a unique perspective of nursing and medicine and how important it is in a baby's life because yes. of, of your son. Right. And I have both aspects. I have the normal toddler, his right. twin, and then him with G-tube and a trach. So I am very anti-take him to the ER because everybody's scared of him and wants to admit him right away. Yeah. <laughs> so... You know. And I think that that's an opposite fear to most of us. We, we're kind of like, I think because there are more extreme cases, at least for me, I always felt kind of like you always worry if they're not paying enough attention to you, you mm-hmm. know? And that's kind of the, the polar opposite end of things where you're being rushed in and out of a doctor's office. Any of you guys ever experienced that? I had one experience with um, my baby. She was six months old and she ran a fever of 104 and I literally burst into tears and thought the world was ending. Yeah. <laughs> but my mom called a nurse practitioner friend who just told me to put her on fever all. And within three or four hours, the fever was completely gone. I went from thinking we have to go to the emergency room right away because that's what all the literature says is you take your baby to the emergency room when their fever is that high to not having an issue at all within four hours and was just, I don't know, completely floored by that. So I don't know if I made the right decision on not taking her to the ER, but it kind of all But I think we've we've talked about kind of how... You know, at least this is just personal. I kind of feel like, in a general basis, medicine today can make you so crazy as parents. I feel like there's so much pressure to be and to be. There's milestones and there's this and there's that and there's so many things to pay attention to. And if you're not doing every single one of them, then you've failed it as a parent. And like, you know, when you talk to an older generation, obviously the med the level of knowledge is so much different. But it's still it's also a level of less pressure, less stress to be the perfect parent and to always do the right thing. I feel like in the beginning when I first had Brooke, I called the nurse line twice a week. (laughs) (laughs) At least. At least. least, You know, that's probably the line. But I feel like, you know, you've worked so hard. There's been so much anticipation to have this kid here. 
and then they're hearing like, oh my God, I don't want to mess anything up. And then over time, you kind of get more confident. But I, when we first moved here, I was texting Dana, like, do you know an ER? My daughter woke up in the middle of the night with the whole croup thing, never had done that before. And then her like chest was contracting and I was totally freaking out. And my husband's cousin happened to be here in town with her friend who's a respiratory therapist who I FaceTimed. And I feel like just as moms, like sometimes we have to use our resources before we jump to that. But my first instinct was like, I have to go to the ER right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well, and I feel like it gets so crazy because people, you know, if your kid gets sick, they're like, oh, you got to go straight to the doctor. You got to do this. But then you have other people that are like, oh, if you take them to the ER, they're just going to get sicker. Or like you have right. so many, right. like with so many things in parenting, like, oh, well, here's the right thing. Well, that's wrong. You got to do it this way. Like there's everybody has so an opinion in so many different directions. Yeah, everybody has an opinion on what's the right thing and what's the wrong thing, and usually those are opposite of each other. So my question is, what, I mean, this is probably common sense for moms, but what is the temperature that you do take them to, like, like, what's the temperature where they need to go out of the house to the, see a professional? So if it stays above 102 for four hours and you've tried everything, you've done your Tylenol, your ibuprofen, and they're not getting better, or if they start to seem worse and the kid's getting more lethargic and you're like, something is going on, use your mom instinct, yeah. take them in. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to go to the ER. Fevers are something perfectly fine to go to urgent care. Because yeah. we all have Yeah, to what's the difference? Like yeah. ER versus urgent care so is always my question. Most things can go through urgent care, but you have to be careful because there are so many out there. If you think it's something respiratory, they're gonna want a chest x-ray of your kid's chest because so many things can happen to kids. You don't know if they're coughing because they swallowed something or they're actually sick. Um, so like some of those little um, little clinics in the pharmacies don't have x-rays. If you go okay. there, you just wasted your time. You've been there for three hours. You could have already been in the ER taken back. If it's one that has one, you're good to go. If you think they broke something, find an urgent care that has x-ray you're fine they don't need to go in mostly respiratory any anytime you're worried about their breathing you're gonna probably want to end up in the ER yeah I, I actually had a it's funny that we're talking about you said something um, about when to go and knowing what to have done like if they broke something I had a really cool it was obviously not a cool experience when it happened but the response was interesting um, my son was in a Costco cart, which are really, really tall, and the floors are pure cement. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing happened. He was, you know, he's a boy, super rambunctious. He's, I should say, he's a toddler, <laughs> right? Yes. He's super rambunctious, and so he was standing in the back and tried to reach for something on the shelf and toppled over and landed on his back on the cement. And it was for sure life before, flash before your eyes, right? And I called in a hysterical panic to the pediatrician. And at this point, he had fallen a few times in minor ways that I kind of knew what to look for in because I had asked those like neurotic first time mom questions already. And I said to her, should I bring him in? He seems okay. He's doing all the things, which we can talk about like what those things are um, in a second. But, you know, we... He seems okay, though. He's doing kind of okay now. Should I bring him? She says, honestly, keep an eye on him. If parents brought their kids in every time they fell, they'd live here. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was really illuminating because it kind of took like, wow. 
it made me more confident that if it happened again, I wouldn't be as panicked, you know? Because mm -hmm. it happens all the time and it's such a commonality. And I think that rings true with a lot of mom topics that just by saying something out loud, you find out how often it happens in other people around you. With whether it's kids medicine or anything mom related, whether it's even your personal mom mental health, which we'll talk about later today, I think all of those topics kind of resonate with anyone who's been through the journey, even if her journey is different than yours. Right. Um, so what are some of the signs of when, when they fall? What, what would you look for? What are the things, because kids fall all the time. So <laughs> if, if they lose consciousness, go to the ER. Right. You're done. <laughs> so how do you know if they lose consciousness? Um, it'll take a second to rouse them. Because okay. you know, you instantly run to your kid. You're like, are you okay? Oh my gosh. If they're awake and looking at you, yeah. they're okay. Um, if they take a second and you're like, that was weird. Why did that take so long? Go ahead and take them in. It's okay to get that checked out. Yeah. Because they do have small little heads. You know, we don't want any brain damage going on. For sure. Um, <laughs> and then, like, typical falls. I mean, I'm always worried because my kid, he's a climber, that he's going to fall and break something and I'm totally just going to ignore it. Because, <laughs> I, I, you know, <laughs> you're good. You're fine. You yeah. only cried for like 10 minutes. Move on. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's going to have, you know, they're going to do an x ray later in life and they're going to be like, he had three broken fingers. <laughs> I don't know. That's fine. <laughs> he seemed okay. <laughs> yeah. I... <laughs> so, I'm more that mom at this point. But, I mean, if they lose consciousness, if of course, if anything is bleeding, you want to take that into consideration. Right. Um, foreheads bleed a lot, even though it may be something really minor. So, yeah, they bleed like crazy. You know, yeah. you've accidentally scratched yourself up there. It just won't stop. And so clean it up. Give it a second. Make sure you've calmed down from your freak out right. before you make a decision. Yeah. use your resources for sure <laughs> yeah when, when it happened to me I, I i definitely took a second and i was like they the very first time he fell i was talking about he fell at I sound like a really responsible parent at this point, but he <laughs> fell out of a <laughs> he, he fell out of a high chair and and i uh they said you know look for eye movement and you know make sure that he cry right away um and there was no like we were talking about like a delay in crying you know um how did he cry right away how long did the crying last if it lasted you know 30 minutes there might be something wrong if it lasted five minutes and then you said ooh sparkles and he was like oh you yeah. know like squirrel you know uh, <laughs> kind of thing and he was fine and then it's usually okay you know you're a parent when you time things by how long the cries last right <laughs> <laughs> like, what is the severity of this well it's only like a 30 second cry we're good it's fine. <laughs> we have the safe word when she falls like they fall we go safe yep. and then if she starts crying after I'm like mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then there's the whole, if you can touch it and they don't freak out, they're not really that hurt. They just want the reaction. So the first time my daughter fell, she was learning to crawl. So we started the crawling, and she used to crawl so fast that she would go forward. Well, my mom has tile, all tile in her house, and she ate it, like, full on. <laughs> so I noticed that she hadn't had any teeth yet, or they were starting to grow in, but they started to bleed, and I was like, Oh, okay. Oh, okay. 
So I ended up calling the nurse's line, and at the time, they recommended doing a video. And the first thing that the lady had asked me was to show her her stomach. Now, if she had fallen and her teeth were bleeding, why did she need to see her stomach? Like breathing-wise, maybe? I don't know. Possibly. <laughs> if she was afraid she was, like, gonna stop breathing or, yeah. like, that it was neuro connection scary. wasn't there. <laughs> but, yeah, for she may have been worried that she hit something and she was gonna swallow a bunch of blood and her yeah. belly might swell up. So, oh. scary. You'd have to have a lot of blood for it to do that. Yeah. <laughs> So I'd also like to touch on milestones. I know we kind of talked about that a little oh, bit in the beginning. Um, when I was a first-time parent, milestones were kind of what I lived by. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I checked her milestones. And luckily, my first child was, um, she was first in all her milestones. She always she was crawling faster than everyone. She was sitting up faster than everyone. So I got all this confidence that like, yeah, my kid is doing great. <laughs> then my second one, she was late on every single milestone. So was mine. And luckily, I was a second time parent, so I didn't care nearly as much about this. <laughs> <laughs> but how important are our milestones? Like, I know when I was growing up, I, there were no quote unquote milestones that my no. parents had to like, you know, fret over. So. Yes, so um, I of course have the extremes. I've got one that's catching along just fine and I've got an almost two year old that can't sit up yet. So. I feel you on the milestones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so when it comes to milestones, look at the overall picture. Every kid has their own path. Um, kind of like you said For the sure. other day about your kid. Yeah. They follow their own curve. Right. Um, it's true. So with that, just because it says it needs to happen between six and nine months, it could happen at four, or it couldn't happen until they're a year. It's going to be okay, as long as you think about it like, by the time they're two. Did they hit all their one-year milestones eventually? Well, they did it. Good for you. <laughs> You're not a bad parent. Um, <laughs> and most of it is just they need to learn all these different things before they start school. Okay. okay. So if you think about it, if you're sending them to a three-year-old or a four-year-old preschool, they have a list of things they want your kid to do before you can even get there. If your kid's done them, it doesn't matter when it happened. Like. I have a kid that will probably never crawl. He'll just switch to walking. Okay. You can skip milestones as long as you get there in the end. So that's that's actually an interesting. I have a question about that. I I have never really thought about milestones in terms of schooling. I've always thought, you know, I feel like the I, I, maybe you guys can take what's your take on it. I I always felt like milestones were more of a health thing. Like they always presented it to me like if they don't hit these milestones, there's something wrong with them. Yeah. Did anybody else feel like that? Yeah. Something, some kind of terrible. An interesting take. When I was up north, I lived in Michigan, and the nurse practitioner told me, she's like, don't worry about the milestones. She's like, maybe if it's something that they're supposed to be doing six months, we'd like them to do it at least by nine months. And right. she's like, and like my daughter crawled, didn't crawl till eleven months, didn't walk till fourteen. Thank you. Very happy about yeah. it. <laughs> Congratulations. You know, she was an early talker and a late walker, but I think. As a new parent, like at that three months, I was like, oh God, she's doing this, she's doing this. She's like, it's okay. She's like, just if you want to give yourself some leeway, like try to look at it, you know, maybe if they want to sit by six months, let's hope they're sitting by nine months. And then it took a lot of that new mom's away from me, which was nice. Mm -hmm. Did anybody else have experience with 
So um, I'm in the behavioral field and my sort of overall picture with wanting to know why these milestones, you know, they're meeting them or not, is because you want to be making sure that you're not going to require early intervention services. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when you're looking at kids that have delays, you tend, like you said, to see it across the board. Right. And they're extreme, typically. Like, they're not talking. They're not, you know, making that progress. And so I think as a first-time mom, I was really stuck on, well, she's not hitting it by this particular month. And what I kind of realized in my professional world is that if there are going to be issues that have to be addressed, you're going to see it in extremes and across the board. And in more than one area. That's really important to know. I think, you know, one of – I had horrific uh, – postpartum and and pre actually anxiety horrific debilitating anxiety and for me milestones were a huge trigger yes. it was it was this constant fear of that failure to thrive thing that really resonated with me in a really horrible nightmarish kind of way where i was obsessed with this idea that like it was never going to happen and i saw something the other day that was super interesting it, it was just a meme, like a normal one of those, one of them, right? The things you see on Facebook. And it was like in a, in a parent's, in a mom's, another mom's group. And it said um, that popcorn is, right? You saw it, right? That's my favorite yeah. one, that popcorn pops in the in, bag at all different times. And it's, it's in the same heat, on the same stove, with the same oil, with the same circumstances, and all the popcorn pops at different times. And I thought that really so accurately covers it. Dana, was it you or somebody else that even when you were pregnant and going to the doctor got like a card with like... A totally me. Telling you like almost like a grade. For sure. When you... Like, how you were doing in your pregnancy. Like, have you dilated yet? Have you done this yet? A hundred percent. So then you even have that fear before you even have yep. a kid. And I, I was, and I was, and I was, and I was, and I was massively anxious before I had, before my son was born. So it was, right? Oh my God. So I, and I, um, you know, I, I think that it was crazy because they gave me this report card and kept telling me that if I didn't hit these let's call them milestones now, looking back, that I was going to need a C an emergency C-section. That I was going to, that there's a chance that this like baby 30 would never, weeks 34 so weeks. The, for sure, <laughs> that this baby is, there's, you're not a face, you're not dilated, it hasn't dropped, it's in the same position, and it looks like if this continues the way it is, you're going to need a C-section. Yeah. You might even need to be induced because the baby might not fit through the birth canal. Like, how, how the hell would you know? Yeah. And, and so, yeah, that's, there's so many legit fears, I think, that start way before, but something. and my son was late to everything. Once he got somewhere, the, at the destination, it's just like a, but that popcorn analogy, once he got there, he rocked its socks off, right? Like he was, once he was walking, he's like, I'm running, but he didn't walk till 18 months. I was flipping out. Like he did when, once he stopped, once he started talking, he never shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like mother, like son. Uh, but it took him till solidly two. Yeah, you know, I, I completely understand this being a really big issue with moms right now because we're hearing about it on a daily basis and what signs to watch. So I'd love your take on it. So that's where the developmental milestones are one of the biggest things. But like she said, it's if they're consistently not talking you're like nothing's changed and it's been six months and they're still mumbling things and not saying more than 10 words 
you need to take them in. Um, they have so many programs to do that. They have tools to evaluate for autism. And nothing you did made your kid autistic. It is not your fault. That's the yeah. biggest thing. Um, it's just, it happens. And I think it's a pervasive fear now. I think, you know, and it's not just that, that it's something to be feared at all. It's just that it's, we all worry about our kids. And when I was a kid, ADHD and ADD, that was the thing to worry about. Yeah. And before that, it was something else. And after this, it'll be something else. And there's always going to be something to worry about. And the truth is, is that I think we always worry about our kids. So we always find something to worry about. And th this is, uh, unfortunately, the 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 pinpoint of, kind of where everybody sees it is something to fear. Uh, I think that people, I think that moms in that li that life would, would disagree with that. I, I agree with you. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and so, but I think um, overall, you know, I think it's a huge, huge topic. And like you said, that everything, that's something you've done. And, I, and that doesn't go just go for the, a specific disorder, but anything. We always feel responsible mm -hmm. for... Yeah, Mom Gill. Yeah, Mom Gill. Yep. Yeah. What about kids eating stuff? Does anybody else's kid like <laughs> <laughs> or sticking up their nose? Rounds. Yes. Yeah. I saw a Facebook post the other day that was like, their four or five year old swallowed a penny or something. Mm -hmm. And she was like, should I take her in? Do I call? What do I do? And one of the moms was like, uh, when I was five, I think I had like a dollar fifty in. They could do what my dad did. He shook my sister upside down by her legs and she threw her yeah. <laughs> They frown upon that now. They frown upon that now. <laughs> they frown upon a lot of things, it's true. My favorite story that my parents tell me of my childhood is when I was three and eating popcorn and watching a movie with my mom. My mom went to the bathroom and I decided to take a popcorn kernel and stick it up my nose. Oh, that's and, a good idea. Because that's a good idea, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and my mom didn't know because she wasn't in the bathroom. She comes back and I'm going like, <laughs> pulling out myself as a little three-year-old. And my mom's like, what, what in the world did you do? Oh my goodness. Um, and, uh, yeah, hot ER trip and uh, a couple doctors all up in my nose. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> that's a good reason to go to the ER. Right? <laughs> so, is that like a, is that, is it any, is it any food? Like, does it ever come out on its own? Like, what is... I swallowed a ring when I was three. And I remember the x-ray was, like, in my stomach. Oh, my God. And my poor mom had to fish through my poop. <laughs> <laughs> That's what all the thoughts on that thing are saying. Like, yeah. It's not that bad for your kid, but it's not going to be fun for you. <laughs> You've got to make sure it comes out in a couple days. Yeah. Mom tip, always have gloves in the house. Is it, it with any, is it any food? Is it, it like if it's something if they put something up their nose or swallow something? Is it always something that's dire and needing of a doctor or? Not always. No. A lot of times it comes out. Yeah, it can work um, its way out on its own. Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, it can go further in. Right. The nose is probably harder than if they swallow it, right? I mean, like depending on the size of what they swallow, clearly. Right. Yeah, my but son was like, peas and corn. If up he the keeps nose. sniffing, it could eventually just go down the back of his throat. Right. Yeah. Well, that's that's possible too, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I, that's cool. I, don't, I don't have any kids yet. I'm, I'm pregnant, so I'm waiting. But um, I do, I work at Palm Beach Children's Hospital. I'm a child life specialist. And so I see people come in all the time 
um, where their kids have swallowed something. And usually what we do is we just tell them, next time you can call poison control. And yeah, they will tell you if you've swallowed something, like, and you're worried, like a coin or a battery, yeah. like obviously a battery, yes, go to the emergency yes. room. But they'll tell you if it's dangerous or not. And that's really a great thing because you don't even have to leave your house. And there's actually, in Florida, our poison control, we have um, doctors sitting at the poison control office. That's so amazing. I didn't know that. I'm answering the phone or like, you know, it's it's actually a physician. Yeah. They have yeah. it on the website too. Yeah. I know I've used the website a hundred times. I'm like, my child ate a bunch of baking soda. How bad is <laughs> I, I think I've called poison control a hundred times. One time my husband actually cooked red peppers and basically poisoned the entire house. Nobody could breathe. And the poison control, control guy was like, basically your husband pepper sprayed you guy. <laughs> Amazing tip. Anytime you're in doubt, just go on the website, call them. They're like literally the nicest, most amazing people to make you feel Yeah, better. I want to encourage all of our listeners right now to please put poison control in your <laughs> phone <laughs> on speed dial. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a really good idea. Poison control was a thing until. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My kid <laughs> ate ant poison, and, and that's free. my first know. experience. Yeah. Who's called? Say I. I. <laughs> So you ant poison? Poison. Apparently, it's not that bad. Wow. Really? Yeah. Really? She's what? like, yeah, you're fine. I was like, it's ant poison, and she's like, yeah, no, you're dog. still fine. With the dog? Yeah. yeah. Like he'd have to eat like ten of those. That's what she said. She's wow. like, she'd have to eat a lot. And, and Tums, my child swallowed half a bottle of Tums, and it's okay, guys. Oh. Dish soap right here. Some Dish soap. Oh, I panicked. Bubbles coming out of the mouth. Oh my god. <laughs> It's not that bad, apparently. Right? That's why we used to get our mouth rinsed out with soap. It's right? it's so crazy because when I called, I, I really didn't know that the poison control tip was a thing. Like, and I was already pretty deep into parent. I mean, deep like a, a year in, a, a year into my servitude. Like, you know, it's my sentence was a year long. No, but like my my son was already like a year and a half ish, right? He is super mischievous and devious, and he decided to find a tool to hook a bottle far above his head off of the dresser, bring it into the closet, close the door so I couldn't hear him, unscrew the cap, and either drink or pour all over himself stain remover. And it was so crazy because I was like, stain remover, you know, that's nothing. But poison control was like, yeah, he's good. <laughs> he's good. You're thinking ER for sure. For and sure. they're like, yeah, no, no, they're fine. Oh, oh and if you ask your doctor, I guarantee they have a magnet you can put on your fridge. Oh, yeah. oh good call. A magnet, good tip. It's Whoops. like, ask a nurse, poison control. <laughs> yeah. That's after, after I had Brooke, they wouldn't let us leave the hospital until they saw the poison control number in their phone. Really? Wow. Wow. Really? Yeah. So smart. All right, so, um, well, thank you so much, Sarah. We're going to continue uh, our conversation throughout the day, and um, we we will, when everyone hears this, it will be our very first episode, or second episode, I think, of um, Mom's Night In. We appreciate you being a part of it, and everyone else at the table, thank you. Uh, we're going to wrap up now, and thank you so much for being a part of this Mom's Night In.